AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. So John, I heard you have some recent news about ATM machines and how it's being used against us now. This has kind of been getting a little bit of press the past week or so. Uh, Secret Service actually issued um, a bulletin on this as well as some other federal agencies. And this is kind of a ATM attack we haven't really talked about a lot on the show before. We talk about skimming a lot, yes. but this is different. This is called jackpotting. And what jackpotting is, is bad actors mm -hmm. are able to compromise the ATM machine, usually by physically accessing them. If they can get access to the back of the ATM machine, open it up, replace the hard drive with their own you know, copy of the operating system with their malware implanted on there. And then they can set it up so, you know, you could go to, as a bad guy, go to the ATM, put yeah. in like some random code or whatever, some code that they predefine and it just spits money out to them. A new trend in the U.S. is around jackpotting ATMs. It's sort of gone through Russia at the beginning, then, you know, spread in Asia a little bit, then to Mexico and now into the U.S. So we'll have to first restrict physical access to it, right? Mm -hmm. And then what other steps do you think we could take you know, to make sure this doesn't really impact at a larger scale. It's probably not something for most of our viewers, unless they're in the financial sector, mm -hmm. uh, and they're probably already trying to deal with this problem. But having good secure access, not allowing people to have access to the back of the device. I, I also thought it was real interesting is that a lot of these uh, attackers are using endoscopes to get into the machine yep. and then, you know, able to hack into it because they're Windows XP machines mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. So yeah. Windows XP is obviously not very secure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think it's interesting to see that it might be those drive-through ATMs and, you know, these are not like the highly secured versions of ATMs and, you know, they might go after the older versions in terms of operating systems because we know that in the credit card space we have PCI and it's good about complying with the data security standard, mm -hmm. but I think we've not seen something like this in a while, at least in the U.S., and I think from what you said, it's the first of its kind. So we would probably see the retailers, you know, the folks that have those drive-through ATMs and not in a secure banking sort of facility might want to pay attention to this. Right. For most people watching, it's not going to really be something they have to worry too much about. It's more kind of advice to the financial industry, people who actually have ATMs that they might have deployed. You should be watchful that they don't get tampered with. There's many versions of this malware mm -hmm. that they use. One of the more popular ones is called PLOTUS-D. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that properly. In one version of that, the bad guys had actually uh, installed a cell phone mm. inside the device, inside the ATM, and they were using that to send commands so they could send an SMS text message to the phone uh -huh. to activate the malware to give yeah. the, uh, you know, to, Command and control to push back. out money to the person so they could kind of do it on demand. So anyway, I just thought it was a, a good one to uh, bring up. I know yeah. there's a lot of press around this. Some of these ATMs also have USB or other types of input ports on them that may or may not be exposed. So you'd want to check to see if there are because those could be entryways for a bad actor to get access to that ATM um, to install or implant malware on there. If you're an owner of an ATM machine, make sure you physically secure it. Make sure you have cameras that watch, you know, activity for that. If you're an end user, avoid shady ATM machines. You know, don't just go in and get cash out in machines that you don't think is physically protected.
Cryptocurrency has been a real hot topic lately. We covered a lot of stories over the past month or so uh, about cryptocurrency and the different types of threat surfaces that we're seeing. This was one that was on the Google Play App Store. It's an Android-based application that was purporting to be an Ethereum wallet where you can keep your Ethereum currency in. But in reality, it was not. Even though on the official app stores, you know, you're, you're fairly safe, there are a few times when you're not so safe. And, and you know, cryptocurrency is certainly a hot spot right now for, you know, not only for users, but also for theft. You know, we hear about people stealing stuff out of accounts, out of banks. It's not just Bitcoin. There are other cryptocurrencies like Ethereum and Monero. What we have is, in this case, is, is uh, an, an Ethereum wallet on the Android App Store was malicious. It was actually stealing the credentials of the users who were using it and then, you know, potentially cleaning out their uh, Ethereum accounts. It's off of the App Store now, so it's not, it's not out there anymore. People need to be aware, even with the cryptocurrency, it's money. So it's just you just kind of be aware of what you're doing and, and what happens in your accounts. Yeah, and I was reading about it saying, you know, folks typically tend to look at reviews, right? Some of these fake apps had like a 3.5, 3.6, you know, rating in terms of reviews. So you think about how the hacker is always sort of trying to step it up in terms of attack techniques and, you know, being able to, you know, really get to the average user who thinks if something is in, you know, the app store you know it is usually legitimate if my ether wallet does not exist for android the fact that i'm going looking for it and downloading it i might never know so i think as a end user we'll have to really think about you know every app that you're downloading you know really you know do a little bit of a sort of check on it to make sure that you know it is legitimate and you know you might not know until it's too late in this case where it's already taken the money right the whole review system is, is is sometimes something you have to be real cognizant of. Some of these malicious app developers collaborate to jack up the review, you know, with some fake, uh, you know, fake entries, other other people contributing, you know, and it's just it's just a way, you know, that you know you just need to be real aware that that now every reviewed app is you know a, a legitimate one. What I've noticed with a lot of these rogue apps is there'll be almost an equal amount of good reviews that are very short, like I love this app, or this is the greatest, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And then you'll get an almost equal number of like one-star reviews, mm. where they'll write a really long thing like, this is a bogus app, do not install this, but they'll go on a big long rant. Yeah. And you might want to trust those ones a little bit more when they've taken the time to actually write a right, big long, because yeah. I, I have noticed that with um, some of these other rogue apps we've yeah. been looking at as well, not just this one. It's, kind of, it's really hard in this space, I think, to know what to trust and what not to. Make sure when you're downloading apps, like we've always said, you know, look at what app you're downloading and understand you know, what it's doing in your mobile device. With all apps that you go to install, whether they're financial-based ones like currency or even games, be mindful of the ratings on them. Read some of those reviews. If you see anything sketchy there, start to dig deeper to make sure that this isn't some form of rogue application.
Bindu, you were looking into another phishing attack that's using FedEx as a lure to infect people? Yeah, so in, in the show we've spoken quite a bit about phishing, right? What was interesting to me about this one is the hacker is actually advancing the tactics in the sense they're using a layered strategy when it comes to even phishing, right? So what happens here is you get an unexpected email that says, FedEx delivery delayed, and mm -hmm. it's basically out of the expired window of being able to deliver to your address. So you need to go to this link, print out a label, and go to your nearest local FedEx and be able to pick up that package. Mm -hmm. Very genuine looking email. It's got the word secure, it's got HTTPS, you click on it, you get to the Google Drive, and then it has the payload You know that it installs in the background. It is attempting to steal all the information from your local machine and your browser in terms of cookies and any sort of password credentials. And it also is looking for cryptocurrencies that you might you know, be involved right, in right. in your browser. And the neat thing about this one that I saw was the fact that when you look at that email, most folks, we've been trained to look for HTTPS, you're looking for the word secure, you are thinking FedEx is you know, a genuine link, right? You don't hesitate and then it gets to Google Drive. So you're still continuing to think that everything is okay and then right. the payload itself is in the form of an Adobe attachment. So you're opening that label while an executable is running behind. So for an average user, the fact that you're sort of social engineered into clicking this link and then things are happening in the background and you will not realize that this was fake until you showed up with that label to a FedEx store. We always tell people when they click on a link, when you see it in your browser, look at the URL, if it looks fishy, then you know that something's not right. Uh, this is a case where you got to look even harder because you're going to see drive.google.com. It's going to be HTTPS. It'll be secured. So you might think, well, this seems kind of legitimate to me, but context is important there. Why would FedEx steer you towards a Google location? It's a very targeted attack. It was looking at universities and a couple of government agencies. This could be any of us, right? Because you know, you really are social engineered into this. We always say don't click on you know links that you don't know. But something like this where you wouldn't hesitate thinking you all the time receive packages. So that was what was interesting take on it. So. Right, right. When you see Google, a lot of us are kind of trusting of, oh, I'm up at Google. Well, that's not necessarily bad, yeah. right? But nowadays, you know, Google has such diversity in the kind of services they provide. They're not just a search engine. Yeah. They have documents and spreadsheets and all kinds of office type applications mm -hmm. that are online. And that drive.google.com, that's like a file storage thing. So I can put my own documents up there. You know, a lot of the antivirus value protections don't protect you if you take an action. All right. So if you click on something, you open a file, you execute something. It's not a lot they can do because they, they, they allow you that choice. Yeah, and this one was missed by most of the antivirus engines that are out there. It's not going to stop you from this. You don't really detect the malware until you've already clicked on the link and the executable is actually hidden in the temp files. So there are indicators in this article. So if you go to your temp file, you will be able to see it. But an average user typically doesn't, you know, really take all these steps to go and see, you know, did they click on right, this FedEx right. link maliciously, you know, things like that. So right. it's a good one to be aware of. I don't think they mentioned if it was a specific family of malware. It's um, called the Lebal. Lebal? Yeah. L-E-B-A-L? Uh, -E yes. Okay. So that's the malware. Be mindful when you're opening email attachments. Kind of scrutinize it extra carefully, especially if it's unsolicited email. First attempt at phishing is basically end user security awareness. No matter what tools you have, it really cannot stop you from clicking on a link. So let's make sure that when we click on a link, think about what you're clicking.
All right, Bindu, so I thought we'd look at the uh, internet weather for this week and not any surprising changes to what we normally see. This is the chart on the most scanned port activity just by sheer volume of scanning. And, you know, nothing surprising here. Telnet, SSH, 445 TCP is Microsoft data sharing, SMB file sharing. 8545 TCP, that one is another of those Ethereum wallets, so mm. another cryptocurrency mining wallet, but it had a vulnerability. Okay. And as soon as that vulnerability was announced, we started to see, see all this increased scanning, like, okay. people trying to steal money from yeah. people's Ethereum wallets that were on the internet. FTP is in there. We're actually going to take a closer look at that one as well because um, it shows up in the most scan SIP one too. So I'm going to jump to that one. So this is the most sources probing, which is usually indicative of some sort of botnet related mm -hmm. activity. We're going to take a, another look at 445 TCP. And then uh, we're going to also look at FTP. The Microsoft SQL Server one, I think, is interesting because we've actually seen some cases of that uh, for uh, some customers and whatnot where they've had this uh, hex bend actor compromise their Microsoft SQL Server and implant those Trojans. So um, I think that's an important one to bring to light. Let's take a closer look at some of these. So 1433 TCP is the Microsoft SQL Server. And I did a three-year chart just because I wanted to show that it kind of had a somewhat flat kind of chart here. And then somewhere around the April timeframe of last year, it really started to come up again. Hmm. One of the things that we learned about a few weeks ago, maybe late December, was there is an actor group out there called Hexmen that are looking for Microsoft SQL servers that are on the internet. They compromise them. Hmm. Um, and then they'll install malware or additional tools, cryptocurrency miners, things like that. So they're very motivated, specifically looking for Microsoft SQL Server. So it really aligns pretty well with that activity and is probably related to that, especially since this is scan flow activity. And it does look like it's just a few sources. It's not a whole bunch of source IPs doing this scanning. And they're mostly located in China, those sources. So if you're watching the show and you have Microsoft SQL servers and they're exposed to the internet, you want to have good passwords. But I would also recommend filtering access to those, to only those things that need to access them directly. Yeah, that's interesting, right? I think in addition to just scanning and looking for sort of patches, you want to make sure that you restrict access to such things so that, you know, you really only do what is allowed to talk right. back. Right. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. 445 TCP scanning, again, this is a three-year chart just because I wanted to show how it's changed mm -hmm. in kind of a longer term here. And, you know, most of this stuff is probably just some old, Conficker infections still out there scanning. And then right here where this little weird spike appears, it's kind of hard to see, is when uh, WannaCry, WannaCry emerged. And from that point forward, we saw this just kind of upward trend. Now there was a little dip here. When I first saw this dip, I reported on the show that, oh, that's interesting, it's going down again. And I hope it stays like that. But what I actually found out is that is a data loss issue on our, our ah, part. So, I just thought the holiday break, so they stopped. Oh, no, yeah, it actually, it turned out that we started to look at it and we're like, wait a second, something yeah. doesn't smell right here. And we realized that there was a problem with our data collection. So, and then the, I think the last one I had here was port 21 TCP. We talked about this before, and this is actually a five-year chart, so this is pretty far back. So we went from like very relatively small numbers of sources scanning on FTP, jumping up into like, 1,500 scan sources, which is not a lot. And then we had another big step up to maybe 3,500 to 4,000, which again is not a huge number of scan sources per hour. There are actors out there 
that are specifically looking for FTP servers. Uh, so they scan for them. And then once they find ones that are like anonymous FTP mm -hmm. servers, they will drop a file on there. So their hope is that somebody, whoever they drop it on there, mm -hmm. that person's going to be on their computer or whatever, and they're going to be looking at their network attached storage and say, oh, what's this weird file? And, click. and they'll click on it, double click it to see what it is, and they get infected. And it's actually been working. Um, and it is a cryptocurrency miner. So end users and organizations, both of us should take a look at FTP and make sure that one, if it's exposed to the internet, two, if it's anonymous, you know, just make sure that you are covered in these areas. Yeah, absolutely. And that's all I really had for this week. Those were the interesting ones in the top 10 charts. So uh, I like how what we are seeing here relates back to some of the news and the stories that we cover, right? And right. it's like, you know, a good correlation to see. What I find interesting is all the news stories that we hear about, you know, in the background, we have the data that we correlate to those. And it's you know, unique, especially in the position that AT&T is in to be able to see that. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.